Welcome back to This Film Not Rated, a branch of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network where we do not rate movies we watched this week. There is no objective truth to the quality of a movie, but you're welcome to prove us wrong in the TFNR gauntlet at the start of every episode. And today, we're covering a movie by our special guest, Jarrison. How you doing? How you doing? That I also helped deliver into this world. The Love Monster. Oh, God. Didn't you think that sounded like a little freaky birth abomination thing? <clears throat> I mean... I have my opinions. Okay, so uh, I noticed on your notes, uh, it says don't, you said do not. So that's my first criticism. Uh, my second, Thank you. That's not why we bring you here, Jarrison, is my, to criticize. My second is, uh, you said you, you would stand behind any movie on your shelf, but I noticed you have Mulholland Drive. What the hell is that about? That you, you think it's weird for me to stand behind? See, I like French movies and you don't, so I'm, I'm impressed that you saw that and not the Jean-Luc Godard Well, I haven't seen that movie, so I I can't comment on it. But, you know, Mulholland Drive, it's like, what the fuck even is that movie? The best thing about that movie is uh, the scene where Naomi Watts is masturbating. Because somehow she makes it look hot while she's masturbating, even though she's crying. And that was helpful to you, objectively, because... Oh, that's completely subjective. I find her attractive. Yeah, we don't do that here. Ah, because you gotta go in the gauntlet. Um, you know what, though? To answer your question, the reason why I have Mulholland Drive is very frustrating. I waited for so long, okay? Because I know I like the performances in that movie, and I like the puzzle element of it. And I find it fascinating that that movie succeeded as a cultural stamp, despite people not being able to make heads or tails of it. The whole cult classic phenomenon is something that interests me, because it's... People get so tired of the mainstream. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least they claim they do, then they keep throwing millions upon billions of dollars at it. Right, right. So when something like that, people remember it, it's like, okay, what are you? And I want to be able to look at that. And then within a month after I got that Criterion Collection release, Criterion changed their policy and agreed to start producing 4K discs. And one of the first six discs they produced was Mulholland Drive. Ain't that about a bitch? (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the Dude. Love Monster. The Love Monster <laughs> was directed and produced and created in over the years 2012 and 2013. Uh, directed by Jarrison, co-written by me, Jarrison, and Stephen Dominguez. Um, starring a variety of talented actors. And it essentially tells the story of Clark, a scientist who is on the verge of creating Frankenstein. Um, and... Uh, by the way, he does say, we're going to science the hell out of this. You know? That yeah. is a line that we said before The Martian came out. We said it first. Yes. Even though they wrote it first in the book that, that movie was based off of. So screw all of us. So he's with his girlfriend. The girlfriend breaks up with him. So he creates his monster who he thought was going to be their baby. And sends him off on a violent rampage trying to convince him... To destroy this man, Kenny, who Clark incorrectly believes slept with his girlfriend. And that's he thinks yeah. that's why she broke in, up In with reality, him. Kenny doesn't know who the hell Clark is. Right. And uh, it causes, you know, miscommunication. It causes Kenny's arm to get ripped off. There's this whole, like, like sub, sub, this whole subtext going out through the entire film about... Uh, uh, dis, dis, dysfunctional families and and the and the toxicity that that brings into the act in, in, into the unit as a whole, where it, it bleeds over into the monster being uh, a a violent person after the uh, parental figures separate. Uh, that's something really. That, 
That's fascinating. I, I, I other pick people up, pick up on that. Yeah, I, I can see that only now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, like, I know what I wanted it to be. Like, it's. Uh, I would describe it as a man creates a monster to kill somebody, and the monster just wants to make friends. I mean, that that was your pitch. That was the idea. Yeah. Yeah, so the monster wants to be this innocent thing, and in that sense, it's sort of a byproduct of the character Pen- Penelope. Mm. And But he's going to force it to become a rage monster... And he wants it to be Frankenstein so he can get revenge on Kenny. All right, Jerison, right off the bat, what we're doing now is we are kicking off things with the gauntlet. You have to. If you say one thing between now and when you finally screw up that is subjective instead of objective, you will hear the buzz noise you heard before. And you are free. We do not total up points anymore. Once you go as far as you can... And there is still a competitive edge to how far someone has made it by number of question. Okay? So we made it two questions in on our last episode before someone buzzed out. But the point is, you have to be completely telling the objective truth. And today we're introducing a new slate of questions. I like it. I think the last time we had Jarrison on and talked about Spider-Man and Ninja Turtles, we mentioned that we were going to be making changes. And since then, we've been chipping away at making those changes. And Mm -hmm. I think we're about to launch full on into them. Right. You got so, anything to say, Jarrison? Any last words? Don't say I love you guys. I will buzz you. I never have anything to say. That one's a test run. Sometimes you have stuff to say. Like with Mulholland Drive. Question number one. The Love Monster. A movie that you directed, co-wrote, produced. Is it good or bad? Yes, it was both good and bad. It is good because there are jokes that we created that totally land while watching it with an audience. How is that not subjective? There could be an audience that the jokes don't land for. Oh, well, that audience can fuck the hell right off. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I, I think actually, in my reality, I'm kind of being a little over the top. But I kind of knew this was going to happen because how can you be objective about your own movie? Well, you can't because any movie that you create, you watch it and you see things that you love and you see things that you hate. And you're gonna it's going to be a much... You, it's going to be singularly that perspective of the creator of the movie. Nobody else is the lone creator, you know? Oh, oh exactly. When we watch it... You know, there are things that, you know, I just want to lift that up and, you know, keep that that five seconds and cradle it and hold it forever. Yeah. But there are those other five seconds where I want to abort it. Yeah. So, here's the thing, though. You still have to answer the questions. You're just free to answer them subjectively. All right. Let's go. What is the best scene in The Love Monster? <laughs> 100% there's an objectively right answer to this. Yes, it's the scene where the monster rips Kenny's arm off and beats him with it. Yup. That is that is the best scene. It we is, got the it, most innocent-seeming human being on the face of the planet to rip the arm off of another human being in real life and beat them with it. Yes, yeah, just the arm actually came off. For sure. And the actors just played it so well, and the editing was uh, Jeff's kiss. Yeah. And did totally. you say Jeff's kiss? I did say Jeff's kiss. Did you mean to say Chef's kiss? Nope, I meant to say Jeff's kiss, and that That's is for awesome. a select audience of your show <laughs> that listens to 
another podcast. Okay. And you might get emails from somebody who could shed light on that. You might not. That would be great. But, um, the, yeah, the acting was great. The editing was amazing. Um, the, I remember we had so much trouble getting that to work right. What do you think rewatching the movie should be cut out? Oh, uh, a lot of small things, you know, just tightening shots, you know, trimming five seconds here, four frames there, etc. It's probably the most objective thing that the director of a, of a movie could say. Yeah. What is the best performance? Oh, without a doubt, that goes to Joe Hitchcock, who played the main character. He even was given an award for it by Zedfest way back in 20... 20- Mm-hmm. He's also like that's when the movie was made. Yeah, he's also the one out of the two leads. I would think like like took the role like seriously. Like he for me. Well, he I I do I think he anchors the we're taking this seriously versus Kenny. You know, right? Who's just the most like trying to come up with epitomizing you know the iconography of douchebag? Like, well, w- Will playing Kenny is, could also be in consideration because that is just so. Not who Will is, right? And that performance outside right. of his—it's he's yeah, yeah. uh he's he created a very well-defined character that we also talked about a lot on set, and we developed this whole backstory for Kenny, where he ended up being like the most thought out and developed character in the movie, even though he was like a one-beat joke. But because of that, I think it helped his performance and it made him funnier. Will has a beautiful voice and he he has a little spark of talent for timing with his dialogue absolutely i'll say joseph came day one with his script revised highlighted prepared with his beats in order and watching the movie he's consistent when he's thinking about where the movie what scene we're on in place his affect it, it matches He's always aware of where his character's supposed to be in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, definitely a professional. And he anybody is. who gets a chance to work with him is in for a real treat. Yeah. So, what what is the least favorite performance? Go ahead. Say something bad about your movie and all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, way to put me on the spot like that. Oh, we all know the answer to this, and we know I don't want to answer it. Yeah. Um. So, I was uh, going to say... I think uh, it's the fault of editing and writing that the performance that didn't work the most was um, someone who we really were, you know, happy to be involved in the production. Her, she goes by Cat, um, and her character's name is Penelope. There, at one spot, we used a take where she flubs the line in the beginning and restates it, right? Like, you know, and then later on in the line, oh, what Miranda so so you know, carefully referred to as the Disney-ass ending, where she has to he, she has to emoke, invoke so much emotion that we didn't earn in the writing with him having to love his creations and things. I just don't think we gave her a platform to kind of... See, I think uh, what you're talking about with her flubbing the line could be uh, attributed to the director, who did not do his job you? and take another take. Ah. Yes. You mean there was only one take of that? Oh, oh my god! No, I, I don't remember how many takes there were. Okay. But I gave the footage to the editor. I trusted the editor to do his job. And given that, I trust that he picked the best take. So uh-huh. if the best take was her flubbing her line, that means I did not do my job and get enough takes. So three tiers, direction, editing, and that. So I can't fault Cat 
um, I can just say that's the performance that breaks the sort of ride that we're on where you're like bouncing back and forth between Will and Joseph and she's caught in the middle but she we just didn't substantively help her. We were talking while we were watching the film about how Leah, who plays the monster at the end of the movie, had known Joe longer. And because of that, they had better chemistry and could play off of each other better. Well, we don't know because we didn't try. That's true. We did not try. But Um, uh, it might have been uh, worth it to see where that went. Maybe. But the thing is, we can't gripe over what we don't know. And the least favorite doesn't mean we disrespect or don't genuinely feel care for what we got. Right. So. Would this movie work if the main character switched genders? You just blew my mind. I want to see that movie now. (laughs) And now we're usually, generally, when I ask this question, we're going to be talking about inverting the genders of the cast. Well, we could uh, we could analyze this on several What's levels. What's the scientist's name? What, Clark? Clark. <laughs> Clark, the scientist who is our Frankenstein. Um, See, we could make him a, a woman, lesbian. And that would be one... That, that would be a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, equally as amazing. Well, but think about... Like, but changing the whole cast, that would be a third movie, which I think would be less interesting than just changing that one character. I, I think you're... I think you're right. And I, I wouldn't normally be weighing in if this was still in the gauntlet. I think we should uh, just, you know, throw out the whole cast, start over, and do a cast full of queer people. Just, you know, lesbians, gays, gender non-conforming, so some trans So be a really people. hard knockoff of Rocky Horror Picture Show instead of be a really hard knockoff of Frankenstein. I mean, no, because it would still be the story of Frankenstein. Real as meatloaf? Riding him. All right, now, now I want to see Will play Meatloaf. So, do you. Th- so, I was going to say, even though I should probably be shutting up and just asking questions, um, there was so much in there that's a little heavy handed, in my opinion. Buzz me, whatever. Wait, are we still on the question about uh, gender? genders? Okay. If you switched it to a motherhood role for the implication that the person is being heartless and creating creations like a robot and uh, Frankenstein. And you make that like a, a motherhood role instead of a scientist creating life role. See, that's interesting because then you're perversing the the traditional role of a mother, which is the caring caregiver of a child, and yeah. kind of corrupting it. I like that idea. See, I think uh, you're onto something. If we change just that one role, that would change a lot of the implications of what that person is doing. Right. Because essentially, what this question is about is: is this role specific? To the type of character that's portraying it, or is it universal and can be played by anybody? Yep. And I feel like uh, because it's a white man in this lead role, mm-hmm. if you changed that, it could work with any person fulfilling that character. But what different uh, presenting people would bring to that role would change the implications of what they're doing. Yep. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so it's interesting thinking about how that would switch out, but I want you to go ahead and give me the best quote from the movie. I know what mine is. I'll science the hell out of her. Deal with it, bro. Oh, yeah? Deal with it, bro. Kenny gets what Kenny wants, when Kenny wants it. You get it? 
Got it. Uh, well, that, that, that's the other thing that I like about Will's performance. Is it, it's, it's his voice, but he's being a little bit rougher in his tone. Just oh, a little yeah. bit like that. It's like, Kenny gets what Kenny wants when Kenny gets it. Like, when well, Kenny wants I'm not it. sure if he'd be happy if we directly associate him, but you can follow him at Skittles O'Henry on Twitch, and he games, and you can listen to his voice like all you want. It's fantastic. So, yeah. Um, oh, so If you do follow him on Twitch, tell him we sent you. Yes. So... What should be added to the movie? What should be added to the yes. movie? Yes. Oh, it's only eighteen what, minutes. So. What should be added to it? More cuts, so it's shorter. Clever. You can get to use the same answer twice. Um, I think I think that the ending could have been reworked to rely less on dialogue and been more powerful, like visually. Yeah. So, uh, Jerison, what was the point of the story? The point of this project was, it was my getting off my ass project, Mm -hmm. which is funny. Uh, I'll get to why it's funny in just a moment. You've made more than just one movie. You are a filmmaker. You're just a dormant one. So, my first film, which Eric is referring to, is my senior project from SCAD, which I made from 09 to 2010. Mm -hmm. And this was the first project I made after that in 2013, so three years later. And it was intended to get me off my ass and making more projects and it's the last one i've done mm-hmm. uh nine years later well also right. there was some douchebag who was trying to write a time travel screenplay <laughs> and he's taken about nine years to write a short version of it and he still hasn't <laughs> turned it in well yeah but you know that's that was me we, yeah. we could do we could do other things while you're working on that i, I think the question you're asking is what is the purpose of it being the story point of the story Point to, uh, the message, if you will, the the idea invoked in it. I have a different take on it being one of the co-writers, but you know. uh, I'm gonna have to say, um, you know, violence isn't the answer. Uh, I mean, you know, that's me looking at it nine years later, just mm-hmm. having watched it and you know not remembering exactly what the point is when we're trying to write it. Yep, uh, I remember when I took a dra- uh, to run at the script. I was in, in the middle of going to school for screenwriting. And I was getting really annoyed with the, having the exact same dynamic always in class where I was, I would always turn my stuff in. It'd always be sort of as half-baked as it can be when you have to write something, you know, like in a week or, you know, you're doing multiple different classes, whatever. Point is, I would always get my stuff read and then no feedback. And that's how I know I didn't move, touch, or bother anybody. And I remember what was popular at the time, you think about YouTube in like 2011, and it's like it's really popular to sort of criticize and and to me people were creating things and i was in a class where people were tearing things down and so taking a run into thing that had like a less cynical edge to it was important to me so to me the point of this movie was sort of it's more difficult and more meaningful to create something positive and and of value then it is, like, it's not as skillful to be able to tear something down. I appreciate that. And th- that goes a lot to what we were talking about a few mo- a few minutes ago. I don't know if that was on mic or not, but where we were talking about how we should just put content out there where we're talking about things that we enjoy and just... You can not- be critical of it. So, so, another of our new questions. Is there another movie out there that's better than this one for a similar experience? <laughs> <laughs> you know you want to say it. No. I don't think so. No. I don't think there's because anything like it. 
Because I mean, you don't get Kenny in any other movie. That's true. I think you could you could double feature Frankenstein and Young Frankenstein, and you could mesh that around in your head. But I will say I'm pretty proud of, of that we have something that's kind of like, other than straight up ripping off lines of dialogue from Frankenstein, like one of the writers did. Yeah, yeah that was intentional. Uh-huh. It's, it is a, an original take on the concept where I wanted... See. Like, you know, of course in Young Frankenstein, you have Gene Wilder end up owning responsibility for the peace and you know, care of his his monster or whatever, you know? Right. But then that turns into putting on the Ritz and whatnot. And, you know, it's funny. See, uh, see uh, taking the, the homages <laughs> and the callbacks to Frankenstein was absolutely intentional. When we made this film, I had only seen Young Frankenstein once, and that was uh, circa 06, 07, so it had been many years. And then about a year after we made it, I watched Young Frankenstein again, and I'm like, oh shit, we made Young Frankenstein. We did not. But there are enough differences to where watching our film and watching Young Frankenstein are two different experiences. We're not Mel Brooks, but we are funny. But yeah. it's partially on accident. Yes, it is partially yeah. on accident. A lot of the stuff that we were laughing at, well, that you guys were laughing at, were more like inside jokes that had to do with the production and and everything that had to do with that had to go into making the film, and less about what the film was showing itself. You know, See, I, that, gonna... that's important to note. But what's also important to note is that the heartless, ignorant robot line that would that kind of accident. There's a line uh, where someone calls. There's a a robot assistant. To Clark, and we were supposed to cut away to him to show some sort of pathos, to show some sort of like reaction that he's being more human to the monster than Clark is, right? And I remember that day on set. This is when Jacob got irritated with you because he you were telling him to get reaction shots from him, but the result is in the movie. It's just the two of them going back and forth, and then she calls him a heartless, ignorant robot, and just blank face cut to the robot hard. And it's like, and, it's like and, it and comes Link, across more as like, bitch, what are you saying? But, like, but, <laughs> what 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 makes it funnier is 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 the cut lings just a second longer than it really needs to. Yes, <laughs> timing is so yeah. good. That's our Bob Ross moment. Happy little accident. Yes, yes, but yes. No, I'm going to disagree with you, Curtis. I think, uh, at least for me, mm-hmm. my laughter isn't in remembering all these inside jokes because it was so long ago and so much crap has happened in my life since yeah. then. I don't remember a lot of it. Like what Eric's just talking about, I pro- probably don't remember... B- because of a mixture of life happening in the 10 years since mm-hmm. and being overwhelmed by the myriad things that I'm doing that day. Right. You're having to take care of interacting for craft services. You're having to make sure all of the paperwork so that we could actually file this thing out, send it to festivals, have credited you know guest actors, all this kind of stuff is all set. You have to make sure that we had permission to be where we were going to be when we were shooting what we were shooting. You were carrying all this on your back. Like I'll say this. like you're You are... An absolutely outstanding producer. Well, thank you. On top of, you know, whatever and else. Let me also add that doing this, while I made this film, I was working a full-time job, which I loathed. <laughs> I was going to work at 
uh, three or four in the morning on a normal day. I had to put my normal days off for two weeks back to back so we could shoot yeah. it over Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, mm-hmm. which means four days. Well, which That's... means before and after, I worked something like uh, seven to 11 days straight. Mm-hmm. And then I had a one year old at home. And this was right before I started a divorce, yep. which I did not see coming. So there was a lot on my plate. It's a miracle that it got done. Yeah, like like I'm 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 not trying to make like a comparison to like Sam Raimi with this or not, but like like Bruce Campbell has the the famous line of of the easiest movies to watch are the ones that are the hardest to make. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of applies for a Love Monster. So the quote is, "The movies that are easiest to make are the hardest to watch." Um, so is there another movie that's better than this one for a similar experience? Not for this, a similar or the same experience. I don't. So, uh, did you learn anything about making movies from watching this? From watching this? Yes, I did. So you, as the creator, then have to go back and watch your final product. I'm glad that we just watched this tonight because I have an absolute solid answer. And that is what I've already said. Tighten up the shots. Cut. Come in late. Leave early. So having a more direct control over the edit rather than having to send it off and send notes back and forth would probably be an advantage. Uh, uh, control's not needed, just maybe more communication with the editor. Not pretty uh, I know that when we were making this, the editor was uh, a several-hour drive away, and he had complete control because I didn't have any... Uh, anything to edit on. I th- my computer was a piece of crap at the time, so there was literally nothing I could do other than send it to him. Um, I believe he got a paying job while he was working on this. Oh, and of course, yeah. when you're working a paying job and a non-paying job, the one that's giving you money is going to take priority. So he didn't put as much uh, effort into it as he otherwise might have. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very talented individual, but I understand the choice he made there. This is the good time to bring up that when you want to make movies, it's staggering how much out of the woodwork came the family and friends of yours from Savannah College and Art of Art and Design. You know, so much happened on the backs of these other creative people who were out there actively pursuing it. And it's a fair point that I'm learning from... Uh, Samia's brother pursuing filmmaking he's already made two short films he's wrapped production on a third and it's in post-production and he's thinking about starting paid gigs now but he has so many connections now because what you do is you reach out to work with people who are actively trying to make that their career because it gives them work it gives them opportunity it gives them a portfolio and so you know it's it's so much better to reach out to someone who's hungry for it and collaborate and have that relationship in the future for you. Absolutely. I have a lot to say on this topic. This could be a whole show in itself. So I'm going to go on tangents and tangents. I love Filmmaking is absolutely about the relationships you build with other individuals. Mm -hmm. You cannot make a movie by yourself. In one of the books I had in one of my intro classes, it started by saying all a painter needs is a paintbrush and some paints. Mm-hmm. A filmmaker needs a bank and an army. Yep. This film that we're talking oh, about... I love that. The, this film that we're talking about, The Love Monster, we had our army, 
And I'm going to pat myself uh, on the back for saying we had no bank. This was an absolute uh, zero budget production, and we went over budget. Mm-hmm. And I well, think it's kind of hard not to. As well, soon as you buy a sandwich on a zero budget production, you're I think <laughs> our our official budget was zero dollars. Yes, we spent about fifty dollars on makeup and about five hundred dollars to feed the cast and crew. Yes. So $550, shot over four days. Yeah. That, by the way, is the reason why a couple of years ago, my opinion on this movie flipped hard from self-hating to almost, like, dangerously glorifying. Yeah. It feels professional. And it, like, that we, should feel like a YouTube video, and it doesn't. And Anyways. we could not have done it without the connections that we had. Most of them were people I knew from my college days. There were plenty of people who I met after college, uh, mm-hmm. through work, or through Eric, um, absolutely nurture the relationships you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are beginning, go out there, help other people. Put in the time, work for free, because when you need somebody to do that for you, they will remember that you did it for them. I feel strongly that if a job is worth doing, it's worth getting paid well for. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, in this industry, you have to do a lot of work for free to get to where you want to be. Yep. It's unfortunate, but it's true. And that is one of the reasons why I have not continued to do more projects is because I need to earn money to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. I can't work for free. And another reason why I haven't continued to work is because I have not nurtured those relationships to continue to be involved in other people's projects. Right. A uh, big uh, part of the mistakes I made go all the way back to college. And I would give this a, the advice of anybody who is that early in their career in college or who doesn't go to college and is just making stuff because you can do that these days. Pay attention to your friends around you. Uh, play to their strengths. Uh, call upon them when... You need them and go to them when they need you. So we are in the part of the gauntlets a little wacky. So I'm going to ask you, what would make you watch a movie again? Uh, Probably if I wanted to share it with somebody. Like a wide release? Yeah, absolutely. Would Nicolas Cage have made this movie better? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, 100% yes. You know what? I'm going to go so far as to say this genuinely, and I know this is kind of sucking up to somebody, and there's no way around that, but I genuinely believe. I, I think even Nicolas Cage could not do a better job than Will at Kenny. You know, I think there are two roles that Nicolas Cage could not play. Kenny and the Clark. Oh, Clark. Oh, you know what? I think he'd be a great Clark. Humphrey, I don't think he could do the, you don't the think stoic so? robot. I don't think so. You're right. He has too much emotion to be that yeah. stoic. That'd be a waste but, of Nicolas Cage. Uh, imagine the exact same movie. Yeah. Mm, Nicolas is... Cage as the love interest. Oh, dude. <laughs> well, I was thinking at the end, the monster that she creates is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> the, the greatest cameo ever. All right, so, so <coughs> there's that line at the end of the movie. Where Kenny's had his character change, and there's the second monster, and Kenny's like, I don't want no part of that ass. Yep. If Nicolas Cage played that second monster, we would have to change that, and Kenny would be all over that ass. Yes, he would. Yes. Who would you cast the lead actor as in either the Marvel Cinematic Universe or DC Extended Universe? This is easy. So easy. That's Joseph Hitchcock. 
would play Captain America. Play Captain America? No. Yes. Okay, Captain America. So subjective. Okay. First of all, he has amazing acting skills. Okay. Second, he has the look where, you know, he has the the classic uh, handsome man face and he's Mm. blonde. He would have to bulk up, of course. If I'm being honest, I see him more in like a Hawkeye role. See, y'all are actually trying that, to take that, it. That would be wasted y'all are on trying Joe's to, talent. Y'all are trying to take it off of personality. I'm genuinely trying to think, like, based off of, like, like look and all this kind of stuff. So, like, if I took him as he was, I would plug him... Groot. Probably into the X-Men. Okay. Cyclops. I think he would be either a good Cyclops or... Iceman. Oh, he would be a good Iceman. Okay, Iceman from the X-Men. I, I'll compromise on that. All right, time to make it super uncomfortable, Jerison. Sweet. The last question of our new gauntlet, you have to bang, marry, kill the main characters of your movie. Objectively. Uh, you're out of it because it's subjective, but good luck. <laughs> I, I would uh, bang Penelope. Because, you know, I, I was attracted to her when I was 18. So, you know, that kind of never goes away. Um, Does she know that? Probably. Uh, she doesn't listen to this anyway. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have to marry uh, the monster because I absolutely love Noel. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> Clark. With the way he's put together and his uh, the, the monster's uh, intelligent level, yeah. what we're saying, he's uh, someone on the spectrum probably, so he's not interested in sex. Mm-hmm. So you can marry him and just have a, a good relationship playing board games. Yep. And I'm going to kill the robot because, because it's a robot, so he never dies. You can bring him back to life. Okay, you kill him, someone else brings it back to life. That's a kind of a... Okay, Curtis? Alright, um... Bang the monster at the end, the one that's not Noel. Um, See, that's the thing. I figured Curtis was safe enough away from the production to, to say that without feeling like I'm too connected to the actress. Like, they're kind of, you know... Whatever. Um, but you wouldn't marry her? They don't know enough about her. Well, you know that statistically... <laughs> it's, stats are on everything um, but she's a genius genius isn't everything either <laughs> oh my gosh Curtis's standards are pretty damn high people you better measure up uh, so That's so, so bang her uh, I would actually probably go with uh, with uh, Mary Humphrey just because of how, how supportive that character is and that'd just be nice in a relationship you know, you that, wouldn't, that's a valid you wouldn't have to bang Humphrey. He uh, can support you your whole life. Uh, and then just just kill Kenny mostly for for for, for the joke. Okay. <laughs> oh my God! You killed Kenny. Oh, I never was that. <laughs> so, I would bang Kenny, uh, marry uh, Wilbur, and uh, kill. Clark. Because Clark is going to... At least Clark gets some action. (laughs) Not the kind he's thinking. Nope. (laughs) Yep, I think so. I think Kenny gets what Kenny wants. Kenny don't want no part of his ass. That's fine. 
<laughs> but so what you're saying is, uh, you you either uh, bang Kenny or get banged by Kenny. I'm just thinking about the listeners of this episode <laughs> who will have no way to see the movie yet. <laughs> it's just going to be so crass and like. So yeah, Kenny gets what Kenny wants. You get it out. This is bang everybody. <laughs> this is this is this is the most inside movie we've ever had the the opportunity to discuss. So that's no, but I love I love <laughs> getting insights on people. You know, and, and obviously we're talking a little more guard down because it's us. So so there was this class I was taking way back in 2008, lighting and field production techniques with mm-hmm. Professor Hofstein. Professor Hofstein was notably one of the most uh, challenging professors in the school. We made this film for one of our projects called Go to Hell. It was about a group of scientists who find a portal to hell under Savannah, and they go to hell. We show it in class, and after it's over, he uh, takes a beat and says, Guys, that is the most narcissistic piece of shit I've ever seen. That's what this podcast is. Yeah, it is, but because I well, I think it's important. Um, if people are gonna listen to us, they should at least know that we're people who are willing to step up and and walk the walk of what we're talking about. Uh, essentially, uh, we understand better than most the challenges of putting together a movie. As, as, as far as the production of The Love Monster goes, I'm, I'm pretty disconnected because I really didn't have much to do with it other than I think I read the script a couple of times and gave maybe some feedback. And I don't even remember if, if I did much of that. But uh, I, your takeaways on it? My, my takeaways on it? Uh, I, I think you guys kind of like nailed the tone of what you were trying to go for. It starts off with this like very dark, gothic musical score to it that uh, kind of uh, invokes the uh, old kind of universal style of uh, making films especially the old like monster movies like it's it's very clearly inspired in uh, a a derivative of uh, Frankenstein which is one of the universal monster movies that I like to go back and rewatch from 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 time to time uh, real quick out of respect to his confidentiality someone who came in and did a lot of the sound design he did all of the sound design all of the music and stepped over into doing a lot of the special effects. And did a damn good job. Or visual effects. So mm-hmm. special effects are on set. Visual effects are... Correct. Post. Yeah. And he did so great. And if he ever hears this, he'll know who we're talking about. So go ahead. But yeah. Um, as far as the writing goes, I thought the writing was uh, pretty solid up until the very end where it gets like... Very hammy, and I and I, I threw up in my throat a little bit at the, <laughs> at, the, at, the, at 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 the uh, what they need is love line. It just uh, it's a little bit too corny there. You know, I, well, you know, I only got to assistant direct a couple of scenes, Curtis. I didn't really get to control the dialogue. I'm a megalomaniac. Hey, I didn't say who was the writer. You kind of outed yourself on that one. I have to I say, I did come up with the quote unquote Disney ass ending. That was. <laughs> I love that comment. Like, I, I don't mean that in any negative way. I just think that perfectly encapsulates. I was like, oh, I did try and perfectly tie everything up with a happily but yeah, ever after um, bow. I appreciate, uh, and I take it as a very high compliment that you say that tone is uh, consistent throughout while making a movie that is one of the most difficult things to do especially when you're making a comedy with such whimsy part of the reason why i i think it works so well is is the contrast between uh clark and kenny uh where uh 
Uh, Clark, the way that uh, at uh, Joseph Hitch, um, Hitchcock is, is uh, playing it, we we said this earlier. He he, uh, and and we've mentioned this in, in in other bits before. He he understands the assignment of of his uh, character. He knows his 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 beats. He clearly uh, went over them several times, and he he knows how how to hit them. Uh, and very like a family man kind of character, and that's like straight right <laughs> off the bat. And, mm-hmm. it, and then you see Kenny, who was. The complete opposite of 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 uh, Clark, who's who's just all about getting that that ass and what's his next big conquest, uh, and I, I, the the idea of him being the main antagonist of of the film, even though he's barely in it, I think is a yeah. I I'm very proud, and this is I think more Stephen Dominguez. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who. I think actually you, Jerison, might have come up with this. The idea that the antagonist was a misdirect. He's not like like we don't even explain it. I don't think that well visually what's going on. But he goes to Penelope's house, which we never outright state that they're at Penelope's house. And I think uh, that's it's an apartment building. It's just an apartment building, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we never establish her apartment at that building. You know. Right. So Kenny just walks out and he's like, "You, you were with her," and he doesn't even know who he's talking about because he doesn't remember the flashback. So he's just like, "Yeah, dude, I got whatever Kenny wants." <laughs> And so it's a false anger that this dude thinks, oh, my woman's being taken from me because he can't fathom of why this guy who's trying to change the whole world, why someone would leave him. See, Kenny is the kind of guy who he will ask everybody to sleep with him until somebody says yes. Yes. And he does not know who you're talking about when you're pissed off at him. Yeah. And yeah, you know he, the second scene where he uh, p- tries to pick up Penelope, he may or may not know that he's tried to pick her up before. Yeah, it does completely. He's just out there. I he's mean, just out there trolling the streets to but this day. Here's the thing that that actually is visually shown wearing the same shirt. That, that <laughs> but him always looking for for the next conquest. It is visually shown in the film where 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 you have that uh, person walking up up. Up, up the stairs, and Kenny just looks yeah, my, at her. My wife. You're, you're, okay. I wasn't going to say that, but fine. Your wife is walking up the stairs, and then we'll ask Kenny, just just, 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 just give this, hey there, look. Yeah, I just want, to point, I just want to point out, Will and Jerison, that I wasn't on set that day. But I guess it's Samia is the one who really can consent to being hit on on film. I don't know where I'm going with this. Go on. Uh, I, I think I, I think you're becoming Clark right there. Is what's going on? I was. I was going. And you know, in this scene, you, you see Kenny tucking in his shirt, and it's half out, like he just came out right. of somebody's house, and he's immediately trying to pick up another person. Right. Well, so, like, so visually, he's all about the next conquest, and that yeah. that's 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 just clear throughout it, the film, and it works. Yeah. yeah. So overall, do you what do you think of this? Uh, what do I think of this? I think it needs a bit of work for, for, for sure, but it is an enjoyable enough movie that if it did get a wider release, I'd probably get it myself just, just for like casual viewing and showing people. So I just wanted to say to you, Jerison, while you're here, uh, I want to thank you for one of the most fantastic experiences of my life, even though it was really hard, that showed me for a fact that what I thought I was invested in in my life was what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, there are multiple things that I'm happy doing with my life, but this is, this is the dream. Being on set, solving problems, collaborating with people, being quote-unquote Dr. Reflector. I think I'm credited, well, a couple of us are credited as the guy holding the reflection panel for lighting. Um, and just my, my favorite memory of the whole thing is how freaking well that arm 
And like other than obviously being able to see Will's arm tucked in the shirt, which is hilarious. The that, actual, that adds to it. The actual ripping of the arm was a problem we could not figure out because we were all trying to dress his arm to look like it had a hole on it. And we had this blood bag where we were trying to rip the shirt and squeeze the blood from behind his back. So when his arm rips, that's me huddled up behind Will shooting, a squeezing a increasingly sticky bag of fake blood out. And I just remember I was starting to get so frustrated at like a lack of moving forward that day. I walked up and I was like, Will, come here. And I took the sticky bag and I slapped it on his shoulder. And it just looked immediately like a hole got ripped out of his arm. And I was like... That's beautiful. Like, and we got the fake arm on there, and we got the shot, and then when it came together with the sound design of the big, like, whoop, of, like, the arm going all over on him, it just, it worked a little bit on set, and then it worked a little bit in post-production, and it worked a little bit with, like, the taking multiple takes and being patient with it, and it all came together, and I think that moment, just the grit, the little shakes that they added in editing and post, like, oh, I love that thing. And I just, I don't know, I just thank you for the opportunity. I'm glad to be a part of it. And that, that, that's what it's all about. All right, then. So, uh, let's get on to some real movies now. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. Wow, way, so, to, way to tear us down after you built us up. <laughs> is we're going to be doing one movie at a time and so i just want people to know from here before we start talking about other movies that i'm eric uh you can find me at high contrast flm on uh twitter and you can follow by the links from there jerison i am jerison you can find me at the jerison t-h-e period j-a-r-a-s-e-n on instagram or at very human comics on instagram and I am Curtis. You can follow me on Twitter at 90sGamer407. You can also follow me on Twitch, where I attempt to play video games, miscellaneous games, every Tuesday and Thursday from uh, once uh, the, my normal schedule gets back in from 11.30 to 2 o'clock in the morning. And we are This Film Not Rated, a branch of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network. You can follow us at TFNRCMEL. Deal with it, bro. Deal with it, bro.